everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is March the 5th, 2021. Strong hand, long-term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. I'm offended by selling. One day closer to returning to a trillion dollar market cap. All right. Hello, my elite friends. I've got sayings up the yin yangs here, but we got to jump right into this darn show because we've got the freaking best guest in the space. Okay. I did another one of my sayings there. Jan Pitzker's here. Uh, we got, uh, we got the BTC Benny. We got keep it simple Bitcoin. We got all sorts of people in the chat. If you got questions, I got the answers. You can type in uh, Bitcoin Meister or do a super chat, and it's pronounced Jan Pritzker. I butchered his name at first, it, okay. but we're gonna we're gonna jump into this. I just want to get this off my chest because I I wanted to talk about this on a, another show. This NFT stuff. People are asking, what are these non fungible tokens? I mean, I even had a relative ask me about these non fungible tokens. Now, before we get into that, I want to read a tweet that Jan Pit it's linked to below all three of these guys are linked to below by the way you got to check them out uh but Jan had a very in informative tweet that altcoiners should know about that nfters should know about everybody i mean if i was going to do a show it would just be this one tweet and that would be the show it would be a two second show that's it this is all you really need to know you just listen to click on the link below a framework for evaluating digital assets how many companies are buying for treasury with 10 to 100 year horizon? Okay, so you've got some digital asset out there you, that you love, that you're trying to sell me Litecoin. How many companies are buying uh, for their treasury uh, with a 10 to 100 year horizon? How many people are buying in their trust in IRAs to pass to their children? I mean, how, how many people are, are buying IOTA to pass on to their children? Sellability across time and space creates an unbreakable network effect. Bitcoin. So for me, those th that description only describes Bitcoin right there. And there are a lot of people telling me these NFTs are unique. They're like they're like the Mona Lisa for God's sake. You know, you're gonna get you, you got to get your Mona Lisa now so that your kid. No, but. I, I don't think that that I think it's a fad. I think it's the ICO stuff. So uh, with all that in mind, I, I, I said a lot. Uh, Jan, what, what is your take on the NFT situation? Well, first of all, in that tweet, I wasn't necessarily talking about NFTs, but I, I do think it applies in a sense. I yes. was talking about more like things that, you know, compete for money. Like people are saying, oh, I'm buying Litecoin or Ethereum or, or something like that. And I know a lot of people think those things don't compete for money, uh, but I have other tweets that explain why they actually do. Um, and, you know, why, why companies are only buying the one thing. So, you know, the long term view on that is that somebody's going to buy something uh, as far as, you know, they're not buying Bitcoin. They're really just converting dollars into a new form of money, which is Bitcoin, right? For long term storage and that creates the network effect of money, which is liquidity, which is, you know, what do you want to hold? Do you want to hold a thing that is the easiest to resell in the future to somebody else that can only be the most liquid thing? But that aside, um, with NFTs, I think, you know, first of all, it's not a new thing. We've had NFTs for a long time. Um, they were even built on Bitcoin before. We had the rare Pepe's or whatever. Uh, we had the CryptoKitties in 2017. They've resurfaced. Now, who who remembers what CryptoKitties did in, in Ethereum in 2017 is they basically clogged the network so badly that the prices of gas went up like crazy. Um, ICOs at the time were actually impacted, weren't able to raise money because people were beating cats. Um, and that all get kind of comes back to say that Blockchains are just not scalable. This is actually fundamentally true. If you think about it, just 
from first principles. Like it's you have to get data from one end of the world to the other. You have to get the whole world to agree on consensus on something. Right. And so what that creates is a system that doesn't really scale as far as speed goes. Right. What it does is it creates a system. If you want the decentralization, you, you can't have it scale. So Bitcoin solves that problem by scaling, you know, with larger and larger amounts of value. Um, so a Bitcoin transaction can settle billions of dollars. That's fine. And then we can kind of batch in a bunch of payments through, uh, you know, batch transactions, lightning network, higher layers and all that. Other blockchains, they have a different problem, though, because they're trying to do something arbitrary, like arbitrary computation that's trying to do on Ethereum doesn't scale. It drives the fees up. What that does is that basically prices out anybody who really wants to participate in these systems, unless they're willing to pay, you know, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars in fees, or they just go to a more centralized chain, which is now what you're seeing people are talking about. Oh, we'll just go to Binance chain. It's basically, a, you know, a database. Uh, I mean, so you just go to a more and more centralized thing. So. The idea of NFTs to me, it's not necessarily wrong in a sense like, OK, it's cool to represent, you know, the ownership of some digital thing. If you want to, uh, you own the song, whatever. But at the same time, that thing is you can replicate it. Right. So digital goods are, are infinitely replicable. You can replicate music perfectly, uh, art perfectly. So all these people jumping on the NFT bandwagon is kind of like um, the tokenization craze that we had before, of you know, partial ownership of this or that. It's just. A marketing trick to say you know oh we've registered this thing on ethereum but what's the you know what what does it matter where it's registered ethereum or a centralized database or anywhere else it doesn't really matter and at the end of the day it's going to have to be a centralized database because the other chains are not going to scale so um the other aspect of nfts i think that's a bit weird is people trying to uh say oh we're going to use this to like monetize this thing and pay the artist but what are you going to pay them with if it's not money then it's useless you need to be paying them in dollars or bitcoin only money works. So anything that's built on something that's not money, it's, it's just not going to work long term. So uh, that's my take. I love it. Take. I, I, I love it. Pound that like button. I love how you brought up Binance coin being uh, centralized and it being like the biggest thing. Like, it, it, yeah, it does solve people's pro problems uh, right, right now. I mean, you, it, it, there isn't going to be a, there aren't going to be high fees on it because it is uh, it is centralized. But who, who why are people going backward to Binance coin? I, I, you know, whatever. I mean, they're going to go anywhere. That's the thing is people want something. That, what what blockchains have done, I think, fundamentally, is they've created an open and, and standardized system, which there are benefits to. Right. Because if I want to write code for this thing or that thing, there's some amount of portability in these. But look, I can run an Ethereum instance in AWS just for my own purposes or with three other companies. And that kind of makes sense. I just take the token out of it, use it as a database for free. That's great. Uh, but once you have these public open blockchains, the problem there is that they just don't scale and the fees will just go up and then people will just keep hunting for a cheaper and cheaper thing. And we've have we have empirical evidence of this. There's there's projects that built on one blockchain and they move to another one and they move to another one. They go five blockchains deep just to find something where it's cheap enough for them to operate. And of course, if anything gets traction, it's no longer cheap, it's no longer usable. Um, so you just keep kind of hopping from one database to another, uh, hoping that it can serve your use case. Um, which is kind of like a pie in the sky dream. Okay, let's let keep it keep it simple. Bitcoin, it's it's your turn to jump on this. Uh, well, we, we just talked about a lot there, but I said I sent you actually tweeted out an article by Jimmy Song uh, talking about NFTs and uh, comparing them to to bribes in a way to, to get people to use uh, certain blockchains. So, uh, well, what's your take? Keep it simple on the NFT mm. craze. Yeah, so uh, Jimmy Song, he has a. Um, it's called Bitcoin Tech Talk. He has a weekly newsletter, and so he wrote this article. And he just did, he did such a great job because um, Jan, I think the the the, the high bar of, of of the the best money and uh, the ideal of you know saving money, saving value through time, and you know everything that we're about 
that angle of it's, I absolutely agree. But I guess to look at this from another angle, like the novelty aspect, right? Because this is art, quote unquote art. And so the subjective value as well, you know, people are making unique things and, and you know, we, we want, we love art, you know, I love art. I wanna, I wanna have this unique digital art. But Jimmy's article goes into the fact that, well, you know, it's, it's basically bribery. Shitcoiners are um, bribing people uh, to use um, to use the network, and so that's his whole take on it, and it's very well written. I recommend everyone go read it. Um, I think it's interesting that not only do these things have um, the art itself is not even um, tangible, as far as I know. I don't know that much about NFTs. I don't keep track, but you don't even have you have a, a claim on on the art. I guess you have a claim on a claim. I'm not even sure how it works, but um, I found an NFT that I liked and I took a screenshot of it and I have it on my computer. So what am I paying? Why am I going to pay for something? It's so stupid. I just, I can't even fathom. Like I always think maybe I'm in the wrong. Maybe I don't understand something. Maybe I'm an old man. I don't know. It just makes no sense to me, but neither do crypto kitties. And we saw how that went. I mean, people, there are hype bubbles that people are willing to pay premiums for something because it's cool. And there's kind of an incentive here for artists. Like you just heard, I think Kings of Leon or something are going to release some art as NFT or whatever. And there's like a hype bubble around NFT. So they're going to get a premium by doing that. Right. So there's kind of an incentive. Grimes did it also. Like she sold like $6 million worth of uh, NFT crap, whatever. I don't know. I, I read that in an article, but it makes sense. Right. It's just kind of like when we had the ICO bubble and we had the uh, the altcoin or shitcoin, but pardon my French, the altcoin bubble where, you know, which is continuing. There's 8000 altcoins, right? There's an incentive for the creators of these things to keep creating them because there's a bubble. So, OK, if I cut and paste Bitcoin source code and I can get like 10 people to run it, I've created an altcoin. There's an incentive for me to do that, because even if I make like a thousand dollars doing that, great, it's free money. Right. So there's going to be an incentive for artists to start to do this until the point where the chain gets so clogged where it's unusable. So I think we're going to see this craze continue for a while before it dies. Kind of like right. Crypto Kitties, same, yeah. same thing. B BTC Benny, you lived through uh, the ICO craze. Is this comparable? What's your take? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just a, a, another layer of abstraction from that, right? Like the the ICO craze, you basically had tokens that were linked to no sort of promise in any way, shape or form. Um, you know, my I've never gotten over the idea of of first and foremost, the real world items being linked to something on a blockchain because you've injected that layer of trust. But now you further abstracted away from that by injecting a layer of trust that said artist will not also create more, uh, more, I guess, bragging rights tokens um, around that digital art because the token and the piece of art are not in any way digitally linked, right? It's just like digital bragging rights to, hey, I own this picture that everybody else owns, but I've got the certificate to back it up. Um, that's, you know, you're kind of taking the artist's word for it that they're not going to create more and put it on another blockchain, right? Um, so really, it's it's just kind of like a promise that you can have the only digital bragging rights for a, a picture or digital item that is easily replicated. Um, 
so you know, I I think it's <laughs> I think it's inevitable that we see this happen where uh, somebody makes an NFT on one blockchain and promises X number of NFTs available, and then turns around and says, actually, I'm going to add some more all over on Tron or whatever other blockchain that they decide to do it on. Uh, I just, again, it's the hype around it that, you know, the, whatever the thing happens to be this time around turns out to be NFTs, DeFi, all that kind of stuff. It's just a different round of the same stuff. I think eventually it'll die down. And a lot of people like the people who bought crypto kitties for insane amounts of money will be sitting with a very expensive digital bragging right that nobody really cares about in the long run. Uh, BTC, Benny, I got to say, I, you really brought up a great point. You have to trust the artist not to make more of their art. I mean, that, that's, that's a big uh, trust factor right there. They, they, don't, they don't even need to make more of the art, right? They already made it. They just need to like replicate the token that represents the art and put it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. It's there's. I, I hadn't thought about that that trust factor aspect. I mean, I have no interest in it, but people keep bringing it up. And you know, if, if people want to experiment on it, be, be my guest. Um, it is. It's a distraction from Bitcoin, no doubt about it. And it just. It. it I mean, if if you're. <laughs> If you're into uh, into wealth uh, preservation and, and passing things down to your children, Bitcoin is the way. That that's the way people are doing it. I know it's it seems boring. Just read Jan's tweet again. Maybe it'll inspire some people just to not get distracted by all this the latest hottest trend. Um, you know, altcoin flavor of the month. Whatever we we've seen so much come and go. All right, enough of that stuff. Need to get that off my chest. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll stick with Benny here uh, because you're a Canadian. You might have a, a different perspective on this. Down here in the United States of America, we have some lovely ladies of government who are quite concerned about protecting the world from Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Let us talk about these these ladies who aim high to move up in the governmental world. Uh, Letitia James, perhaps you've heard of her. There are extreme risks in investing in virtual or cryptocurrency. And it's imperative that we act to protect investors' wallets. I'm warning New Yorkers and investors across the country that investing in this unstable market is not prudent and could cause devastating losses. She's the attorney general in New York. Obviously, she wants to be governor of New York, and she's going to help get rid of the current governor, you know, just for to help the people of New York, not to help herself. But uh, And she says, yeah, she warns the cryptocurrency uh, people to play by the rules or we will shut you down. I mean, she's telling the world that, you know, she's in New York, so she can shut you down no matter where you are if you're, like, being mean to the people in New York. Elizabeth Warren says, uh, she repeats what Janet Yellen says, speculative in nature and going to end badly. I don't think Janet left a lot of room for ambiguity. So, with all that in mind, Betty, what, what's your take on the, the ladies of uh, the United States of America in government? Uh, can they stop Bitcoin? Uh, do you care even at this point? Like, well, first of all, why is the AG giving financial advice? Why is the AG chiming in on what people do with their money? That's kind of insane to me. Um, but I mean, just bad takes all around. Again, like they're, they're talking about protecting people. What about protecting them from the Fed? You know, that's that's the protection that I want. And that's why I'm in Bitcoin. I'm I'm protecting my own self-interest. I'm protecting the fruits of my labor by opting out of a currency that I know for a fact will be driven to zero over time. Uh, when when the measuring stick is infinite, 
there's only one way and the direction is down. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think these are just the typical historically bad takes that will continually be bad from these types of people. They want control over you. They want control over your money. They want to siphon off uh, your hard work and time and uh, continually steal from you without you realizing what they're doing. So yeah, awful takes from people that do not have your best interests at heart. I would throw their opinions in the trash heap and continue to stack sats. Pound that like button. Indeed. I would, I would say uh, they're, they're jumping on a popular topic and uh, they're just trying to advance their careers and, and be contrarian and scare people. Uh, as you've noticed uh, the last year, there are a lot of government officials that are trying to scare people in order to gain more power. Uh, so uh, Jan, uh, what's your take on Letitia and, uh, and Elizabeth? Or is Jan, uh... wait, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you're muted, it appears. Something. I got going. you now. There you go. Can you hear? I can't hear. I did for a second. All right, wait, 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 wait. Let, yeah, Jan will work on that. We'll go to keep it simple, Bitcoin. Your take. <clears throat> it's um, you know, we're watching society implode uh, all over the world because I guess you could blame it on the Fed. You can blame it on this. Uh, I think this is this agenda of just total dominion and control over all all humans, free free will choice everywhere. I mean, really, it's it's turning into that the coronavirus. Just put that in everyone's face, and Bitcoiners, uh, Bitcoiners have you know a special front seat because Bitcoiners are aware um, of the fundamental problems, and so I think inherently more sensitive. But these people just want more power, and fear gets them their power, and it will continue until I think until it explodes fabulously or implodes. I don't think there's a there's a there's a graceful transition. Um, I really don't. I think it's going to have to be hard, you know, maybe Bitcoin will correct some more too. And that'll, you know, uh, foster some strong hands as well. There are a lot of people that need their uh, hands strengthened potentially. So, you know, um, I just, uh, I just focus on, you know, stacking sats. Um, price is irrelevant. I just have to keep putting, dumping my fiat in, into the Bitcoin um, on a consistent basis. Um, no FOMO. I don't believe in FOMO because, you know, that can get me potentially less sats. So just patiently, you know, patiently moving, moving into it uh, every day. All right. You're not freaked out by the ladies of, of uh, no, the government. No. Good, good. Keeping it simple. All right, Jan, we're going back to you now. Hi, can you hear me now? Yeah, baby. Okay, cool. Yeah, I guess I have a slightly less cynical take and that maybe we don't ascribe to them that they're looking for power, but maybe they're the ones that are also afraid because it's something new and, uh, just they don't understand it, right? I, I think for the most part, when people talk ill of Bitcoin is because they haven't understood it, because most people who have taken the time to actually study it and understand it are pretty, <laughs> I don't know that many skeptics that have actually like thoroughly understood Bitcoin and also have understood uh, the macroeconomic backdrop and, and all that that's going on right now. Um, as far as Bitcoin being risky, I mean, on any time frame at this point, it's it's probably one of the best performing assets of all time. We've had 10 years of history. It's not like it came out yesterday. Um, and it's, it's doing well on every time frame, And um, it has a better sharp ratio, which is basically risk-adjusted returns than pretty much anything, better than the stock market, better than uh, gold, you know, better than anything that you think is safe. So therefore, 
the, those statements about it being unsafe or risky are simply not true. Now, when they talk about cryptocurrencies, I'm with them. Yeah, you should not invest in anything except for Bitcoin. Um, I think that's extremely risky. And I think they have a, they, they've got their point right on. They just haven't taken the time to understand Bitcoin specifically. And I think when they do, they're going to sing a different tune. We're already seeing it in government. We have Senator Loomis who's on the banking committee, full on Bitcoiner. We've got a couple other uh, people that have, you know, at least displayed that they're going to be friendly towards it. Um, so I am not that worried and it doesn't really matter. But I think the people in government, uh, the longer they keep repeating things that are just are not true and then people see that they're not true, um, they're just going to discredit themselves, which is pretty sad. I think they, they should take the time to study. Well, speaking about repeating things that are not true, we're going to talk about the energy debate at some point in the show later. But let's stick with people learning about what Bitcoin really is and changing their minds. Now, you, that was a very positive take, by the way, Jan, for, for these government Try officials. Try to keep it positive. Yeah, you're, 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 you're really positive saying, oh, they just don't know yet. When they know, they'll, they'll understand Bitcoin. They'll love Bitcoin. We, we shall see. Um, but they, they, can't, <laughs> they can't stop Bitcoin. But they there is a dude. There is a dude out there that, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep it with you, Jan, here, but we'll go to Benny next because it's a, a Canadian who's changed his mind. Now, I don't like putting people on pedestals like Kevin O'Leary, but he had a big TV show. People love him. And in December, he was saying people were going to cry about Bitcoin. Okay. And so there, there were probably some people back in December like, oh, hey, he's the shark. Knows this this Bitcoin is eighteen thousand dollars. Better stick away, stay away from it. Well, now that Bitcoin's like fifty thousand dollars, Kevin has uh, you know, he's a he's a really rich guy, so he can be wrong in December, right in February, and still be freaking rich. Um, so he's uh, Kevin O'Leary has changed his mind about Bitcoin. Somebody convinced him of something. I don't know. Um, uh, what, did you did you do you have a take on that, uh, Jan? Well, I think we're seeing more and more people just be convinced over time, which is I think the mark of somebody who's smart who's willing to look at the new information and say oh you know what maybe i was wrong uh, i mean the thing is that like public companies buying bitcoin insurance companies we have mass mutuals like a 170 year old insurance company buying bitcoin when that kind of thing happens and you got you know pensions endowments and public companies and all these kind of players coming in it makes you rethink what do they know that i don't know what information do they have and i think people who are smart are starting to understand that there's a game theoretical situation here where once Tesla buys it, and once MicroStrategy buys it, and once a dozen other public companies buy it, every public company has to have an answer now. There's no option to not have an answer. Am I going to be uh, against Bitcoin or for Bitcoin? Before they didn't have to have, it wasn't part of their conversation. They weren't having board meetings where they had to discuss whether or not they should put their treasury into Bitcoin. Now they're forced into that. Every invest, every macro investor is now forced into it. Once Paul Tudor Jones does it, and now you got all these other guys talking about it, why do I have or not have a position? They're forced into the conversation and then more people are forced into it, the more they're forced to learn and the more they're forced to learn, the eventually they'll come to the same conclusion. So there's really, um, uh, there's no outcome here except for it's good for Bitcoin, so. Uh, awesome. Uh, Benny, you tweeted a lot about your uh, fellow countryman. Uh, what, what, what are your insider Canadian uh, information on this, uh, on, on Kevin and what happened? You know, Kevin's a funny one um because he has kind of historically flip-flopped on this like he previously said that he was into bitcoin a few years back and then kind of rescinded that or just like didn't acknowledge it and then said it was the whole asset class was trash and you know he was warning about it you know a few months back and then it turns out now he's looking at putting or has currently already put about three percent of his portfolio into it um i think kevin seems to be the kind of guy that um, he'll 
currently be saying something front facing while he's, you know, maybe reconsidering in the background and, and making different moves. Um, so again, like I like the, the Taleb quote, um, don't tell me what you think, show me what's in your portfolio. And now we know what's in his portfolio. So, uh, I, I think that's what you should be watching as opposed to his, his public facing opinions. Um, does he really get it? I, I don't know, but at least he's taken that dive. At least he's starting down that path. Um, you know, and there, you're going to see more public figures like that uh, come come down and hopefully end up with Bitcoin first and foremost and, and not dabbling in everything else. But as the bull market goes on, I think we're going to see more public figures that start, you know, pumping other things like Gene Simmons pumping Cardano and stuff like that. I, you know, it's, it's inevitable. So, so we'll see. Oh, that was, you know, your description of Kevin O'Leary was, was really good. You know, he, front facing, it, it might be appearing he's doing something. And then what's he really, what's he walking the walk in, in the background that he is that kind of guy who, who might, who might say something uh, just to, to throw people off his trail. So he gets a better deal or something. So be careful people. He, he doesn't want to show his hand, right? Like, uh, like any, any good investor, you know, if, especially if they have their power to move markets, they don't want to show their hand before they've got it. Yeah. Yeah, be, be, be careful, dudes like that, guys. Use your own head. Get, get in before Kevin O'Leary. All right, uh, which a lot of you watching the show did. If you've been watching since 2016, pound it. All right, keep it simple. Do you have anything uh, to say about Kevin O'Leary? Yeah, you know, uh, no, he's a sly fox. You know, I'm not a big fan of him. Um, and so <laughs> as any, any of these, you know, big names get into Bitcoin, the first thing I always think of is let's see what happens after a, a nice fat drawdown. And let's see, let's see where you're at, because that's what that's what builds real Bitcoiners. Um, and the other thing I want to say is it's hilarious to me that Tesla buying Bitcoin marked the top in their stock and they're down like 33, maybe more percent now, too, which I think is hilarious. We'll see how that all plays out. Uh, yeah, I think uh, give it some time. I think I think they'll be I think they'll be fine. It was a good decision. And to buy. And speaking of that, Tesla, you know, buying a Bitcoin, let's go to something that's become commonplace here. Keep it simple. I mean, I remember back in August or September, whatever it was now, and how and Jan described it beforehand, too, uh, when MicroStrategy first uh, purchased uh, Bitcoin. I mean, what, what a glorious turning point in, in the history of Bitcoin. But now another day. Another MicroStrategy purchase. MicroStrategy has purchased an additional 205 Bitcoin for $10 million in cash at an average price of 48888 Oh, my God. All those eights in a row. I mean, that must be some WebBot thing, right? You know, it didn't WebBot like predict the future. All you freaks out there. Whatever happened to WebBot? You see what you do? When you okay, I just got completely distracted from the point there. But anyway, uh, yeah, per Bitcoin, as of uh, as of March fifth, uh, twenty fifteen, uh, twenty not twenty one, we hold uh, ninety one thousand over ninety one thousand Bitcoin acquired for two point one nine six billion dollars at an average of twenty four thousand one hundred nineteen. Oh, dude, he's doing pretty well over there. Okay, so uh, your your take on another day, another micro strategy purchase. Keep it simple. You know, he's one of the best salesmen in, I mean, in this space. I think he's done more for Bitcoin than a lot of, a lot of people have. I mean, he's been, he's really been like uh, leading the charge. So I'm, I'm grateful. You know, he's educating a lot of people and it's a good thing. And 
if he gets rich in the pro richer in the process, maybe he becomes the first trillionaire. Great, awesome. And yes. you know, let's let's see if how he handles the drawdown too. I don't. I think he. I think he's on record as saying he doesn't believe there's going to be any more eighty percent drawdowns. I think I heard that on the Safedeen podcast. I'm not sure where I heard that. So th that's interesting to see, um, especially with a, a, a lot of this, um, you know, Bitcoin backed lending. Um, you know, borrowing uh, against your Bitcoin as collateral is, you know, essentially going long Bitcoin. And so if the market goes kerplunk, that'll be uh, fascinating to see what happens in the short term, obviously. Long term, Bitcoin bull. I think he's made it pretty clear he's not he's not dumping any of that Bitcoin. I mean, if he if he did, if MicroStrategy started dumping Bitcoin, we'd uh, yeah, that, that there'd be a price drop, you know. But and, and, and you know, one person does not make or break it. He is a great uh, marketing machine right now. My lord, I mean, every he knows what he's doing. I mean, he his front facing uh, what he's saying is just to to pump the price of Bitcoin. And I like what you said. If he's the first trillionaire on earth, that's a, that's a good thing. And I, I like that attitude. No need to be envious of the guy because if he's the first trillionaire on our earth, we're going to be doing pretty darn well too with our strong freaking hands. All right, Jan, uh, your, your take on this. Is it ever going to end? Is it? Are we going to get these uh, notices every freaking month that he, he keeps on buying and buying and buying? It seems it seems that way. He's certainly establishing a pattern and he's dollar cost averaging, right? I mean, this is we've always uh, said that was a good strategy. And here we are. We're seeing a company do it into the treasury account which is really cool. Um, we here at Swan, we actually onboard a bunch of treasury accounts as well. Uh, of course, we don't serve anybody the size of Sailor, but we do have a lot of small and medium sized family businesses that are stacking, uh, you know, significant amounts for their corporate treasury. And what I can tell you about these businesses is that they're all with a long term view, whether it's 10 years or 100 years or forever and pass it down to their children. Um, and that's kind of what Sailor said too. I mean, he said he was not going to sell for 100 years. We'll see if he's see if he told the truth. Uh, we don't know yet, but um, I, I would, you know, given what he said uh, in public, I, I don't have any reason to doubt him. I think he has a long term vision for how to manage treasury for his company. And Bitcoin is a reserve asset. It's not an investment. It's not a risk asset. Um, some people think of it as such still, but they're they're wrong. And they're going to come around to the view of Bitcoin as a cash balance that you use to invest in things in the future when the time is right, when the investment is more attractive than the holding of the cash balance. Uh, and I think that's how Sailor views it. I think that's how all these other businesses are starting to see it. Um, and it's it's the right way to do it. So I think we're going to see more of that. Um, we're going to see more businesses kind of come in. And I I don't know if we're going to see another 80% drawdown because there's a lot of institutions and a lot of large businesses that are in line to buy Bitcoin. Uh, we heard that NYDIG has an order book that's 25 billion or they're, they're going to have an order book of 25 billion this year. Um, it might be 250 next year. It's going to keep growing. So I think it's hard to see that drawdown happening. Uh, but that said, of course, you know, Bitcoin does Bitcoin things. Never know. Things could happen. It could be crazy. Uh, so, well, know, just, just about speaking about there never being an 80% drawdown again, I want to get uh, this is going a little bit off topic, but real quick from you, because you've been around. Uh, most people would, if, if, the, if the pattern uh, continues in 2022, we'll have a uh, correction. Will it drop down to sixty thousand? Will Will twenty twenty two be an off year? There have been some guys on this show, including Anders, who's in the freaking chat right now, who doesn't think there'll ever be a a, a a correction of any sort again. It's just it's just to the moon forever. Uh, Don, do you do, do you think twenty twenty two will be an off year? Uh, I don't know how to predict things in the short run because um, you know there are things like Bitcoin leverage trading and lending and all this kind of stuff that could blow up and have 
systemic problems and cause them selling. And there's a lot of weak hands out there still because, like I said, I think a lot of people still think of Bitcoin as a risk and uh, speculation investment. And a small number of people, uh, which I am one of, believe that Bitcoin is the future of money. So it's kind of like the Internet, right? If you were in the 90s uh, or in the 1999, 2000 Internet bubble and you shorted Amazon at that peak and you did it at the right time, you might have made a lot of money. Uh, but if you held that short open, you would have been totally destroyed, right? So you never want to short something like the internet because it just keeps growing, right? And, until it takes over everything. And the same thing with Bitcoin. It's growing until it takes over everything. So I, in a sense, on a long-term trajectory, yes, of course, uh, it's going to keep going up and up and up because as it you know, swallows more and more of the world's value. But uh, on the short term, it could have corrections. It could have dips. I mean, we just... Uh, we have that article from the year 2000 where people were canceling their internet accounts, right? Like, what happened to those people? They canceled their internet accounts. I bet they're all on on, uh, on Instagram now or whatever, right? So um, these things have a, a way to come back and bite you in the ass if you're uh, not careful. All right. Uh, and Anders in the chat did clarify something. Correction will happen, but not a long bear market. Now, dude, I, I still – I take a conservative approach. I think we will have uh, – it might not be as bad as 2018 and 2019, but we'll have some bear markets of, of, of sorts. All right, so let's get back on topic with MicroStrategy, though. Uh, BTC Benny, what, what's, what's your, your take on uh, is it going to keep on happening? Is he, is he ever going to run out – is MicroStrategy ever going to run out of money? Well, I mean, they could just issue bonds and keep on – it's crazy. Yeah, doing, I, yeah. you know, as, as long as he can issue debt and, and get more Bitcoin or, like, with the profits from his company every year – like clearly he sees dollars as a liability and he sees Bitcoin as the best alternative to store your value. So I think he's going to continue to do it, to do this. I mean, it is hilarious watching this dude's, you know, weekly dollar cost average be more than I could ever hope to achieve if I lived an extra hundred years. Uh, but you know, that's besides the fact, um, what's, what I'm curious about though is sailor has only ever, existed in Bitcoin during massive upswings, right? Like he started looking at it during the, the March crash um, as he saw, uh, you know, excessive money printing and that kind of spurred his, his thought pattern into what Bitcoin was and what it, what it is seeking to do. Um, and so I think he's wrong uh, in terms of like drawdowns in the, in the future. I do think that next year we see, uh, you know, a similar style bear market, but maybe just not as deep because we have different types of buyers and some of them will be longer term thinkers. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, companies are run by people. We've already seen an example of a company dumping all their Bitcoin because of a bad FUD article when we had the double spend FUD back a while ago. You know, we're going to see more of that, right? We're going to see uh, you know, I'm guessing at the peak of this bull run, when things get insane, like December 2017 style insane, but with corporations, they'll be piling into probably, quote unquote, well diversified crypto portfolios, whatever's available out there. And, you know, when we when we hit that peak and things start to turn around, you will get some companies that get scared and dump. You'll get some that hold on, and that probably sets our floor much higher. But I, I, I don't see us being immune to that cycle yet until the world at large fully understands Bitcoin. Then I think the cycle goes away and gets front run instead. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great point about the carrying on of the cycle as as people and most people are weak hands. And yeah, it was an amazing story when that weird double spend FUD came out, and there was. 
it was a moderate size uh, company. They stole all their freaking bit. I mean, he panicked. It, un- unbelievable. That, they, were, they, just, they had a hundred Bitcoin worth. I can't remember like tens of millions of dollars, and they were they were bragging that they made two hundred grand <laughs> from their sale. <laughs> Short-term thinker. All right, let's uh, let's go to the chat real quick. Pub Lord uh, Hoddle says, "Just a shout out to Bitcoin Meister." And he sent five bucks. Thank you, dude. Just a shout out to Bitcoin Meister for showing people how to keep that strong hand all these years. Uh, Escape velocity in 2021. You know it, man. And uh, Towers Comics sent five Canadian dollars. He says, uh, "Free pubby." Now remember, every and thank you for the five Canadian dollars. Remember, Canadians, your five Canadian dollars are not as worth as much as this five United States dollars. Don't be envious or anything like that. Just get into Bitcoin because anyone can get into Bitcoin. No, 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 worried. Anyway, so let's go back to the Canadian here, uh, Benny, uh, and Ty. Uh, well, let's let, let me ask you about the Grayscale here, okay? There's an article, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust trades at a record discount. Whoa, what, what's going on here? And uh, I, I, I believe uh, well, part of it is competition. Uh, there, there are other people competing with Grayscale. Um, I, I think uh, the market knows the, the United States market is, is there's going to be a, an ETF soon that'll make these uh, these little uh, trusts not as uh, well, not not as valuable, not as uh, worthwhile to even be interested in. Um, but uh, you, you said you, you, you can, I want you to talk about the Canadian ETF too. So, you, I mean, I know you can combine all this into one thing because you, you had a theory also on why the, the Grayscale price might be uh, going down. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Grayscale, one of the first things to point to is there's, there's two other closed end funds in the U.S. right now, I believe that uh, their fees are considerably lower. So I think Grayscale is at 2% and the alternatives are like, uh, 0.75% and 0.45%. So like considerably less in terms of fees, something along those lines. Um, the other thing is, I believe that Americans can get access to the Canadian ETF, which is ticker BTCC. Um, I was looking online to kind of see uh, and clarify, and I saw some some threads on Reddit where people were saying, hey, I can get access to this through Fidelity. Here's a screenshot, but you have to actually specify that you'd like um, the ability to track Canadian markets in the Toronto Stock Exchange. So some people may be looking at that, or there could just be um, anticipation of the approval of a, of a U.S. Bitcoin ETF. I think that the U.S. can't drag their feet on this anymore. Like just north of the border, you've got an option where Americans can actually start to dip their toes in uh, cross border and get access to this kind of thing. And people are treating companies like MicroStrategy as a Bitcoin ETF. So it's clear that the market's going to find workarounds for this anyways. They may as well just bite the bullet and let the market decide and let this thing get listed. Um, it's interesting here in terms of you were talking about uh, the the discount. We also saw this big time. We had two closed ended funds, which means that uh, the a fund will buy X amount of Bitcoin and then split it up into quote unquote shares. Uh, but the demand for those shares, there's a limited number of them. And so it can be at a premium or a discount to the actual price of Bitcoin. But then when the ETF launched here, those funds went really really low in terms of the discount you got it was like my double digit negative percent um and that's because that a bitcoin etf actually more closely tracks the price of bitcoin like they add more bitcoin as more people come in um 
So one of our, our uh, from Galaxy, Galaxy Digital, they have a close-ended fund in Canada. Well, they just filed the paperwork to fold it into a Bitcoin ETF because they think that's better for the market. So that close-end fund will become an ETF in time here. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting all around, but I, I think that America is, I would be very surprised not to see a Bitcoin ETF at some point this year approved. All right, and before we leave you, was Jan was nodding his head about the the American Bitcoin ETF. Uh, do you have any insider information on the Canadian uh, Bitcoin ETF? How, how's that going, or anything you I, want to I, share? I don't know anything about the Canadian. Oh one, no, no, but Benny, was, Benny, oh, with the, sorry, sorry. Benny with the Canadian. Oh, when it, when it dropped, it was like by far the most traded ETF in the entire Canadian market. Like by, tri it was triple the next uh, the next fund. Um, on the day of launch and it did even better the next day it's definitely calmed down since then i think a lot of people just got their allocations and now there's not as much back and forth trading but man people fomoed into that thing hard the second it hit i would be definitely surprised to to not see the exact same out of a, a u.s option all right uh, now, now jan your take on uh is is are we one step closer to one day closer to having the uh, U.S. Uh, ETF be approved? Yeah, I mean, uh, I probably just agree with everything Ben said, but I mean, yeah, we're we're obviously the market's pricing and the ETF launching. I think that's what the the negative premium is about. Although it seems to be very negative, I think it's uh, like nine over nine percent now, um, which I don't really get. I mean, that's basically seems like buying Bitcoin at a discount, so maybe it'll bounce back. I'm not sure. Um, there seems to be just a general like risk off thing going on right now, and people are selling everything. So maybe that's just part of the stock market dipping and everybody's just selling everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. The SEC is being completely irresponsible by dragging their feet on this because people are going to create bubbles in MicroStrategy and, um, you know, any other Bitcoin stock that it touches Bitcoin, they, they just get like hyped up valuations. Um, and those people should really just be buying Bitcoin. Um, I mean, if you want to buy MicroStrategy for fundamental reasons, great. But uh, if you just want Bitcoin exposure, there should be a way to do it easily. So. Yeah, I think SEC should should act fast and, and get this thing done. Well, man, I like to keep it simple. I only buy Bitcoin, and I know people have their reasons and own these ETFs and own MicroStrategy, whatever. Uh, so let's 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 go to keep it simple. What do you think about the uh, about the uh, premium going away, the discount now that uh, Grayscale offers? I you know I don't I don't follow this stuff closely. I I think. I thought that um, the grayscale premium was kind of a leading indicator, um, but I, I'm, you know, I'm by no means an expert on that. Um, but you know, obviously, there's a, you know an arb, there's an arb opportunity for you know institutional money, whatever, to take advantage of this. So I'm sure it will be taken advantage of quickly. Greg uh, Greg Foss has done some great podcasts recently about all this stuff, and he gets into the dirtiest of the weeds with it. So. Um, I think I think Ben had a, a great conversation with him recently too. So a, anyone interested in this uh, kind of minutia should go listen to that. But yeah, I have no interest in Bitcoin financialized products. They are boring as all hell. What I am interested in is this whole new Bitcoin lending market that's kind of being built out, like uh, Hoddle Hoddle's uh, Lend platform. That stuff is very interesting. But financialized Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree with, the, the, with your take on the financialized Bitcoin. To, to say, yeah, keep it simple. Own the real thing. Now, with your lending stuff, this, this wasn't on the topic uh, sheet today, but I, I am <laughs> – there are a lot of people that are asking me about this. Um, Non-custodial lending. 
non-custodial. Well, well. Pe people get bored. You know, they, I just say do nothing with your Bitcoin. And people just feel the need that they have to do something. I just feel there's trust involved here. And uh, I, I know one of these lending platforms will blow up one day. Some, well, something bad, bad will happen. I, uh, I would recommend everyone go listen to um, Preston Pish. Just had a great podcast episode about this with the guys from Hoddle Hoddle. There are interesting stuff going on. Non-custodial, using multi-sig. It's over-collateralized. I think there's a lot of interesting uh, potential in this kind of stuff yeah people do get bored that's why uh, drawdowns are good for the um, <laughs> the system it keeps yeah, people sure. on their toes <laughs> well that now you you brought up that topic of the lending i will just yeah. go to the other two guys to see what they got to say about it too benny what, what what's your take on on this uh growing uh interest from people yeah, uh yeah so I, I you know i i think it's interesting to see um part of it i think is a symptom of everybody growing up in a fiat world, right? So so they're constantly seeking yield because that's what you've had to do with your money traditionally because your money is gradually worth less. So I, I think that's part of the symptom. But I, I do see value in um, being able to hold an asset and borrow against it in the, in the future. Um, but I think that people should be very careful with this. You need to realize what you're getting yourself into, um, in particular in and around margin calls, because Bitcoin is still so volatile um, in these early stages, doing it can be quite a bit more risky. Now, I've done it in the past where I needed cash. I didn't want to sell because that's taxable and I didn't want to um, buy back in at a higher price. So I've done it in the past where I knew I had income, but it was just like a, a, a cash flow issue. And so what you need to watch out for is those 30, sometimes 40% price dips unexpectedly, because when that happens, you're going to get margin called. Somebody's going to say, yo, you got to put more collateral here or you're going to get liquidated. And that ha I didn't get liquidated, but that happened to me last March, right? Nobody was expecting it to go from 8K to 4K in a day, right? And so those unexpected things can happen in a flash. You have no idea when they're going to happen. And if you've put a ton of your stash in there, you might not have enough to cover that. So, you know, I beg of people, please be cautious. If this is something you decide to do, if you don't need to do it, don't do it. All right. Interesting. You March 12th is next week. So it'll be a year since that glorious day. And you know, I am going to be celebrating that March 12th. It was, it's next Friday, this week at Bitcoin. I am going to be going crazy because for so many people, it was the end of the world. Oh, so many weak hands that day. But for the strong hands, oh, did the rich get richer? Oh, what is, I just have such a big smile on my face when I think about March 12th and the fear that all the normies had on that day and how when there was blood on the streets, the Meister went wild and bought two of those babies. Oh, I'm just getting excited for next week. Oh, anyway, okay, sorry, sorry, I've been distracted. Jan, what do you what do you think about these lending platforms? And oh, everyone's asking, Adam, I, I gotta do something with my Bitcoin, Adam. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't get it, right? Like Bitcoin appreciates like annualized what two hundred percent. So yeah. that's it's boring for people. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand what the problem is. So um, trying to get like an extra five percent yield on that when you're you know putting your Bitcoin at risk. I don't get it. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't get it at five. I don't get it at eight. I don't get it at ten. I don't get it. Uh, so I'm. I think it's weird. I think you should just hold Bitcoin and not worry about it. Uh, now. Taking dollar loans against your Bitcoin if you need to pay for something, 
that might make sense. Uh, so the lending platforms need to exist in a sense, but I, I don't get trying to make um, premium on your Bitcoin when you're just, it's just risky. I think Benny did bring up the point. We've been raised in this fiat world where, uh, you know, you're supposed to get interest on your savings account, this, that, and the other. You're always looking for yield. This, this is different. Bitcoin's different. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's uh, a deflationary money. So you're not looking for it. You're not looking for yield. You're looking for it to appreciate in value against the goods and services as the economy grows and the Bitcoin doesn't. Um, that's really, it's a, it's a different model entirely. So um, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but who, who says? Who knows, right? The market will speak. We got uh, Towers Comics. I noticed you've got a, uh, a comment over there that you want to go to Miami. That's where I am right now. Um, but I think you're in Canada, so it's kind of a pain in the tuchus to get down here. I, I, I will say, uh, everybody remember, June 4th and 5th is the Bitcoin uh, 2021 conference here in Miami. And I'll be I'll be back for that. And I think these guys, some of these guys might be there, too. You're So many guests that have been on the show are going to be at this Bitcoin 2021 conference in Miami, June 4th and 5th. It, I, it is going to be wild because, you know, there have been so many people cooped up for a year now. Now, I haven't. I've been enjoying life. I've been going. But this is going to be just – and Florida is a normal place, and you're going to be able to be a normal person and a, a normal – it is going to be wild. It is, so I, I just ran – that caught my eye, that comment there. People are, are just chanting Miami in the chat. Yes, it is so awesome. This place rocks. All right, going back to Jan. Um, do you have any? You've tweeted about Tat Group uh, um, here and there. I, I notice. Um, do you have any uh, interesting Tat Root news to share? I know I'm putting you on the spot there. But uh, how it's a on the spot. Yeah, I mean to be honest, I haven't followed it as much. I think um, it sounds like a cool feature that would enable us to do more, you know, smart contract type stuff with with Bitcoin. Do a little bit more privacy. Um, I think it's great. I don't really know where they are with activation. I know there's a controversy around how it's going to get in, uh, activated, but I'm not uh, probably qualified to speak on that as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you tweeted something about it. Just, it just, it just know. jumped into my head right now. And <laughs> well, I, 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 didn't I know tweeted Brecky's thread where he said uh, it, it was a it was a Taproot explainer thread, but actually, you should go and read it because it's it's really funny. Uh, I'm not going to give it away. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. So check that link, link link to below. Uh, definitely, we'll, we'll we'll stick with you here. With uh, with the no, I, I want to say Nick Carter is Nick Carter was on the show a while ago, okay, and he he is he's really getting annoyed by the the energy fud, the the energy the so called energy debate, and I think he's falling into a, a defensive trap here. He keeps but he keeps on wasting more and more time on it, and he has an article I linked to it below the frustrating, maddening, all consuming Bitcoin energy debate. And well, and then he spends a bunch of time, you know, addressing this energy debate. My take on this is, it is it is just a waste of time. To, to guys, ignore it, don't do it. But uh, do, Jan, do you have any take on on the energy debate? Obviously, it's never going to go away. It's going to be a source of fud for people for forever and ever. And I think this, some people like to use it as a club to to waste smart people's time. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a little bit of a time waster, um, but here's what I'll say. I feel like it's become a very dominant narrative at uh, end of last year, early this year. I'm seeing it on Twitter a lot. I'm seeing it from, uh, you know, kind of like the left, if you will, uh, some, some mainstream media. People are still citing really, really terribly flawed articles by like the Digiconomist guy who just doesn't understand Bitcoin or is being completely obtuse and talking about it's doing X amount of transactions per second when that absolutely doesn't matter. I mean, the guy's kind of a fraud in my opinion. Um, he should stop publishing stuff about Bitcoin. And unfortunately, the people who don't, I mean, they don't do their research and they, they just keep citing him, which is really terrible. Um, but I, I do think we have to kind of speak to this issue because 
um, like my circle of friends is pretty liberal, and I think it's important that we have a clear answer on why Bitcoin is actually beneficial uh, for people on the left. That's not just like, uh, oh, screw you, we can use energy however we like. Uh, that's definitely an answer, and you know it is the, uh, probably a correct answer, but it doesn't really help us win over anybody, right? Um, so while I think that's true, and you know the market will price energy um, as as it sees fit, and you know Bitcoin basically it doesn't really use energy that's expensive because that doesn't make sense that people would go out of business if they use expensive energy. So by definition, Bitcoin only buys the energy that nobody else wants. Like if you're using expensive energy, you're going to go out of business. Uh, so that's one answer, and I think another answer is looking at what's going on in uh in like texas with bitcoin being used to balance green energy grids i think these are topics that are worth repeating uh because a lot of people don't know this stuff all they hear about in the media is how much how bitcoin uses up the energy of an entire country which is again not a stat that matters at all uh because it's, it's not like it's concentrated in one spot um but at the same time like we needed our own answer that helps people kind of shift their mind and say oh if i want green energy like okay i don't know some people think it's a good thing some people think it's a bad thing but Presuming that you want green energy, then you definitely want Bitcoin because it's a non-government subsidy for green energy. It works in Texas right now. We have some use cases. And if as it starts to uh, that use case starts to spread, it's going to be easier and easier to tell that story because it's not just going to be one uh, operator in Texas. It's going to be like, look, this is what Bitcoin is doing all over the world. And it's actually not hurting anybody. It's actually helping. Um, but, you know, yeah, energy use will go up. But energy use going up is not a bad thing. That's how civilization grows. All right. Well, you... You took a very professional approach there. Didn't get frustrated. Uh, didn't didn't spend uh, waste too much time on it. And, and there, there are definitely some people. Uh, and you said from the left that you know have have, have concerns like that. So yeah. there you go. You you address their concerns. By the way, somebody in the chat asked. Since I'm in Miami, I should I uh, dye my hair blonde like uh, like a BTC Benny? Got to tell you guys, um, that was a thing I did in ninth grade. My friend Gabe and I, when we went up to Hershey Park for the end of the ninth uh, grade trip, we put a hydrogen peroxide in our hair, and it actually, like, he, he's Asian. It turned our, our hair, like, red, not not blonde. But just want to give everybody a history note there. I'm not going to do that again ever. No more hydrogen peroxide. That was ninth grade Hershey Park. Who's been to Hershey Park here? Pound that like button. It was always fun as a kid. Okay, going back to BTC, Benny, uh, your, your take on the energy fund. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I agree with Jan. It's it's nice to have those talking points and and understand the reality of what's actually going on and, and uh, be able to respond to some of these things. But I also think that in the end, like the game theory of this is just going to play out how it plays out, right? You, you see different approaches from different places. And, uh, you know, if, if you're currently subsidizing energy, miners will flock there. Um, and then, okay, so what? Then they realize that all these people are coming and consuming all the energy. They're going to cut the subsidy. Basically, it's going to make subsidies no longer viable. Um, and then you're going to see jurisdictions handle it differently. You saw, uh, I think, Mongolia is trying to crack down on on energy usage. And so, you know, they're, they're trying to stop uh, a lot of mining out there. But then you have the inverse in Kentucky right now where they're, where they're getting rid of sales tax for electricity to encourage miners to come there. So what's going to happen is you'll just see miners go where they're treated best. And it's not going to stop Bitcoin. You're just going to see miners flock to wherever the most efficient, cost-effective energy um, 
is available to them and that will just continue to happen i think eventually it'll just be great jurisdiction shopping and jurisdictions will have to cater and and incentivize people to come there if they want their industry and their their economy to do well so yeah all right uh let's uh let's get keep it simple if if you have any thoughts on this um, noise this energy noise and and I'm going to bring up another topic you can jump into, too, if you want to, because it's kind of noisy. BitMEX CEO Arthur Hayes may surrender to U.S. law enforcement next mm. month. Oh, my. Uh, so take, take it away. Uh, keep it simple. <clears throat> yeah, regarding the energy stuff, I have really nothing to add. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is, you know, gravity. Bitcoin is the objective reality, and it's going to destroy the old system. Um, and they will fight and fight and fight until they are crushed. Really, and that's it. Either you move out of the way, or you're going to get crushed. And if you get crushed, that's probably going to be painful. It's going to suck to be crushed alive. So, you know, get out of the way. Um, regarding Arthur Hayes, you know, I love that guy. Um, and he's a very wealthy guy. And I can't imagine he's going to get more than a slap on the, uh, the wrist. I don't think I, I think he's too wealthy to be made an example out of, honestly, um, because that's not really the way the world works. Um, and uh, Bit Bitmax has become, you know, semi-toothless, um, and so I think uh, their objective has been realized. Um, and uh, he put out a really good uh, blog post last night too. I recommend everyone go read it. So I'm a, I'm a big Ar I'm an Arthur Hayes maximalist. I like him. All right, B BTC Benny, you you posted up a picture of you interviewing him like in 2016. What's your take? He wants to stay in Singapore, but he might make a deal where he goes to Hawaii and <clears throat> they'll, they'll 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 annoy him there. I guess I don't know. I I don't know, man. Like I I haven't followed too much of the Bitmex stuff since all this went down. You know, I saw when he was quote unquote on the run. Um, yeah, I, I, all I can speak to is I, I met him. It was actually one of the first videos I ever did. I started the channel and then I was I got married in, in uh, Bali and then just started traveling around Southeast Asia. So I was in Hong Kong and I shot him a DM and I was like, yo, man, uh, do you want to be on my show that nobody knows about? And uh, he was nice enough that he had me up to the office. But just to kind of show how quickly things move in, in Bitcoin land, uh, he had me up to the office um, you know, of course, he shows up in his like, like running shorts and like his his like, you know, sportswear because, you know, when you work in Bitcoin, you just wear whatever the hell you want. Um, but he brings me up to this office in Hong Kong, like pretty far out on the outskirts. Uh, and I go up and he brings me into this pretty nice looking area. I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. And he brings me into this tiny little office in the back, uh, tiny little room in the back that basically had two tables, uh, two chairs. I remember two chairs because we had to bring a third one in for my wife to sit on. Uh, and then like a laptop sitting there. I was like, oh, so is this whole floor yours? And he's like, no, 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 just this room. <laughs> and that was all of BitMEX was a single room with a couple tables, a couple chairs and a laptop. And uh, how times have changed because they basically at one point had a full floor of the most expensive real estate on the planet. So um, but he was super nice, super gracious. I have no idea what's going to go down with him or or how he's going to navigate that. I hope he does well um, regardless because, again, t super fun guy. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. 
Yeah, I don't know why the, well, the United States, they got to bother everybody. Sure, he's an American citizen. He's doing business over in Asia, though. Just ignore him. Who cares? You got to, the whole, the whole company, all the executives they want to uh, prosecute. They're, they're, they're working out deals with him, apparently. Also, uh, he's probably wearing shorts because it's so darn humid in Hong Kong. My Lord. Yes. And it rains seven times a day. When I was there in July of 2017, I couldn't take it. All right, uh, Jan, your, your take on uh, Arthur Hayes, if you have it. Uh, I don't have a much of a take. I'll give a more general take because I think, you know, he was charged with violating the, the Bank Secrecy Act and all that. And I, I'm just going to put this out there that I think there's a lot of toxic laws in America um, that do a lot of harm that force companies to collect KYC information, uh, which is really, really harmful to the average uh, user, the average customer. So we're hurting like millions of people. I mean, you, you saw the Equifax hack 2017 is probably the best example of that. They leaked 170 million people's worth of data. Um, it, it really just bothers me that we're required to do these kinds of things and collect personal information when it's just stop the crime. You, you have a crime problem, stop the crime, don't like force. This is basically a search and seizure without a warrant. So I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I hope that these laws go away. And I think Bitcoin is going to force the hand of the government a little bit because once everybody's done a Bitcoin standard, I mean, yes, we have to KYC right now to get it. Uh, but Bitcoin and Bitcoin transactions don't necessarily require any of that. So, um, Maybe we'll be able to show the government how ineffective they really are at this. Uh, and there's been lots of studies shown that, I mean, like AML stuff is they're stopping crime like less than 1% of the time and then they're punishing everybody else. So really, really bad systems. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know that much about Arthur Hayes' specific situation, but the laws are toxic. Yeah, it, it's definitely toxic. Down with KYC, it is toxic that the American government can expect some somebody in a different country to do KYC for them. Uh, it's just in, it's sad, insanity. But, I mean, again, we have the New York Attorney General thinks she controls the entire economy of the world. I mean, and, and lots of people out there obey. I mean, they're just blindly, oh, we, we got to do business in New York. We got to do business in the United States. We got to deal with their stuff. All right, so let's let's we're at the end of the show here. Hopefully, if Jesse cuts us off, don't worry. We'll continue. I, I know how to get around that. But, uh we're going to the conclusion, conclusionary remarks or things that were left out. And people, you know, say what you're doing. But one thing I know they got left out. I know BTC Benny, you brought this up to me. So we'll start with you. Protesters block roads with burning tires and dumpsters across Lebanon. And after the currency tumbled to a new low in a financial meltdown that has fueled poverty, we have zero quality of life. It's even less than zero, said one protester. I gotta say they've been pro they've been having issues there for quite some time. Uh, I you know when we brought uh, when what God back when I was in Australia with Hasma Cook in 2018 I mean uh, 2019 they were having problems or whenever it was uh, and we said buy Bitcoin. Uh, you'd probably be you wouldn't be burning tires in the street right now if you bought Bitcoin in, in Lebanon. You'd, you'd be out of Lebanon probably because of your Bitcoin. But what, what's you want to bring this up, uh, uh, BTC Benny? I was just going to say that I think we'll see more of this. Um, you know, the average person sees this on the news and they think it's not going to happen here um, in whatever country they may be. But every every fiat currency is on the same path. They're just taking that path at different speeds. Um, you know, when when your currency can be printed to infinity, it will eventually be printed to infinity. Um, it's just a matter of time. And so... You know, it's super unfortunate to see what's happening in Lebanon. They have, of course, their official exchange rate, which I believe uh, one U.S. dollar officially, if you're coming into the uh, the country, they'll give you 1,500 Lebanese pounds. But there's also a, uh, a, a black market or in other terms, a free market, which uh, the real exchange rate is 
close to 10,000 Lebanese pounds. So it's like, you know, an 85% differential there on, on the reality of the thing. So, you know, they, there's a video that I retweeted and, you know, people are saying, we know what's going to happen. We know the supermarkets, there's going to be a rush and there's going to be lines because people are going to be wanting to buy. And we know that our currency is going down. Um, you know, we, we saw it in Venezuela. We saw it in Argentina. We've seen it in uh, in Lebanon a couple times recently, where, you know, hints of it in Turkey. I think you're just going to see more and more small countries. Nigeria admitted that Bitcoin basically makes their their currency uh, completely useless. So, yeah, I, I think it's just uh, uh, everybody's joining the same trend um, and it's just a matter of time uh, that that all of these currencies do what they're designed to do, which is devalue more and more and more at an increasing rate. All right. Uh, I'm glad you, you got to, we got to talk about this. What, uh, what are you up to? Any other things you want to bring up? Uh, any stories? The floor is yours. Uh, yeah. I mean, just, just having fun with the show. Uh, you were talking about Bitcoin 2021. I'm going to be, tr I do have my tickets, uh, barring any, uh, anybody at, at the border not letting me uh, attend this thing i shall be there um and i'm very excited for it it's been far too long uh and yeah outside of that doing show is very excited uh, i'm doing a live show today why are we bullish at at, at 2 p.m uh pacific so if people want to jump over later on today feel free all righty. Always. He is a classic BTC sessions, BTC Benny. And I do. We talk about the Canadian ETF. It's one of the few times Canada does something right and America has to follow. You know, they, they got their ETF out first. But uh, in terms of travel, Canada is a disgrace. Canada is a disgrace that they're making the Blue Jays play in Florida. The Orioles should be going up there to play in the freaking Sky Dome. Yeah, I still call it the freaking Sky Dome. Hopefully Canada will get their uh, their act together soon. All right. Moving on to keep it simple, Bitcoin. Uh, you have, uh, I mean, you're keeping it simple. You've got a lot of tweets out there. Uh, you know, what? You know, give us your conclusionary thoughts. Anything that was left off, but tell us uh, what you've been teaching people a lot lately. Uh, what, what subject matter has been the most interesting as of late for you? Uh, keep it simple. All the things that you're, you're putting out there, there, because you're putting out a lot. Yeah. Thanks. Um... What's been the most interesting? Well, I think the latest thing that I worked on was, um, you know, Call Card has a feature called uh, CK Bunker, which lets you use the Call Card in a, like an HSM. Um, and so that gives, you know, a user uh, enterprise grade, enterprise level, you know, security um, on at a trivial cost. I mean, it's really so simple to uh, install. You know, you have to install it on the command line, but I think uh, Noddle and um, Umbral are working on a one-click install. And then, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a game changer because it is so, uh, it, it ups your security game um, so much. Um, and I used it in the, in the guide, I used it as a replacement to a uh, hot wallet on the phone, right? So you don't need to expose private keys on your, um, you know, whatever your blue wallet on your phone, you can just have it uh, create a PSBT, send it to your CK bunker, and then you have you can have as much money as you want on that thing, um, and not have to worry about the keys being hot. And so I think it's it's a huge deal. And there's so many different ways to use it, ways to use it with multi sig, all sorts of stuff. So I really recommend everyone go check it out. 
don't be intimidated because the install's uh, super simple. And um, once you know, once these uh, node in the boxes get their um, <clears throat> get the stuff together and do the one-click install, I think it'll be very powerful for for many users uh, to 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 be able to use this feature. Um, and then um, I don't know. I'm just looking for more interesting stuff to make. You know, anything that helps uh, Bitcoiners kind of realize how powerful they are. Um, all the power is in their hands, um, and you don't you don't need to trust anybody. You just need to educate yourself, and um, you know you know the revolution continues to grow. I uh, I want to piggyback on what BTC Ben was saying. Um, everything is a result of uh, you know the fiat currency, and because of fiat currencies trending towards zero everywhere, well fiat. Society has been built on fiat currency because fiat currency is the fundamental base of the global society. And so that is also um, starting to crumble. And I think everybody should just be as uh, educated and equipped and, and confident in, in their self-sovereignty as, you know, as things start to crumble um, because it's going to get wild. And uh, that's it. That's all, folks. All right. All right. Very good. Keep it simple. You kept it clean today. So thank you. Pound that like button. We're ending it with Jan. Tell us what's going on at Swan, Jan, and, and anything else. All of these guys are linked to below. So please check out their, uh, their Twitters, which are linked to below. Yeah, as I mentioned, uh, we've been onboarding a lot of folks uh, in the treasury, the corporate treasury space, as well as IRAs and trusts. So I, I don't know if everybody knows, but we do have that capability. Uh, we launched Swan Private, which is uh, essentially a hands-on white glove service for high net worth, uh, corporate treasury, IRA accounts. So if you go to swanbitcoin.com slash private, you can sign up there. Uh, we'll guide you through creating an entity account or uh, an account for yourself. And uh, yeah, we we take wires uh, 100K and up, uh, up to you know, 10, 100 million, whatever you want. Um, so we've onboarded a bunch of entities already. And it's been a, a fun ride learning from them and, and learning how folks are, are thinking about Bitcoin in a new way, uh, which is long-term, long-dated, um, long-hold period, pass it on to your children. And we really encourage people to start thinking about Bitcoin this way. Don't think about selling, think about holding, uh, think about your future, come to Swan and we'll take care of you. Uh, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Yeah, we started off with your tweet and we basically ended with it right there. Thank you very much, Jan. Thank you, Benny. Thank you. Uh, keep it simple. Remember, we do this show this week in Bitcoin every freaking Friday. Best freaking guest in the space, dudes. Hey, and UK Bitcoin Master is about to be on uh, Pub Lords and, uh, and uh, Danish Holder Hoddle's uh, show like at 2 p.m. Eastern. So check them out. Uh, that's it, dude. Shabbat shalom, everybody. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to the channel. Pound that like button. I will see you all. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. All right. Peace. Hang on. Let me... Uh...